may just listen as I read or look in the bulletin to the uh, text of Scripture. It's in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Listen now to the reading of the word. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And to the reading of the word of God, let us all say, you may be seated. Today I just want us to draw our attention to that one phrase, born of a woman. That's an appropriate scripture for several reasons today. This is the second Sunday of Advent. Uh, In addition to that, Cornerstone Bible is a church that loves children. And finally, uh, just this week, a new child has entered God's good world and our church and answered a prayer. Paul, in uh, this epistle of Galatians, is teaching a very vital truth. We're justified, we're made righteous before God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by keeping the law. Now, Paul's not attacking the law. After all, Paul wrote in Romans 7, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and righteous, and good. But the law wasn't created to justify us before God. I mean, it's sort of like using a chainsaw to repair a flat tire. There's nothing wrong with a chainsaw. It just wasn't designed to repair a flat tire. In the same way, the law is God's good gift to man, but it's not his gift to justify sinners. That's the point that Paul's making. Well, in in verse 4 that we just read there, Paul's telling the Galatians how the God designed to bring sinners into his family. How did he do that? Well, Jesus was born to obey the law in order to redeem everybody who was held captive by the law. The law is good, Paul basically is teaching, but when we break God's law, it holds us captive, the law does, to God's justice. Now, God's a righteous God, and he has to punish law-breaking. So God made Jesus, quote, under the law. Did you see that expression? Under the law to fulfill the law's righteousness. Jesus then died on the cross to suffer God's righteous punishment as a substitute for us. And this is the way that we can be justified, by trusting what Jesus Christ has done for us and not what we can do. That's the whole point of faith. We're trusting in what Jesus Christ has done and not what we can do. That's why we can and must be justified by faith and not by keeping the law. Now, if we could be justified by keeping the law, Jesus wouldn't be necessary. Do you understand that? That's a key. If we could be justified by keeping the law, Jesus Christ would not have been necessary. The Galatians were being sort of seduced away from that vital truth, and Paul was correcting them. If you've read the book of Galatians, you know what I'm talking about. Now, a big part of this salvation plan, and this is what I want to talk about today just briefly in two points, is the full, total humanity of Jesus. This means Jesus isn't just fully God. Jesus is also fully man or human. Now, this is not a minor point. This is not a little minor point. This is a major point of the gospel. If Jesus wasn't totally human, he couldn't suffer the penalty for sin in the cross in our place, on the cross in our place. His death wouldn't have been real, and if his death wasn't real, then we can't be saved. 
This is why denying the total humanity of Jesus Christ is a false doctrine. Not just the deity of Christ, but his humanity. By the way, it also began very early in the church. John warns in 2 John 7, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is a deceiver and an antichrist. Pay very close attention to that, brother and sister. Those who deny that Jesus came in the flesh are deceivers and antichrists. Now, what better way to teach that Jesus came in the flesh than to use that expression, born, born of woman, born of woman. We know babies come from the union of a man and woman. They're developed inside the mother's womb. Now, Jesus didn't have a human father, but he did have a fully human mother. You understand that? A fully human mother. This fact assured he was fully human. So the baby comes out of the mother's body, and if healthy, it has all the physical characteristics of a human. We marvel at the newborn baby's tiny feet and tiny fingers and ears and eyes, and we marvel at how quickly they grow. You know what we're marveling at? We're marveling at their humanity. They're being made in God's image. Jesus, too, was born of a woman, entirely human, though without sin. Only a man totally human could die on the cross and save us. So I'm going to briefly just touch on two important implications of Jesus being born of a woman. We dare not miss them. First, oh, this is fun. I love this one. Jesus' total humanity highlights the fact of the goodness of creation. The goodness of creation. Now, we know that God created the universe, and after he created it, he looked at it according to Genesis 1.31, and God saw that it was very, very good. Now, notice this. Man sinned, and God cursed the ground for man's sake, but that did not make creation inherently bad. This is a very important point. God's creation is good. This is a good world out here. Don't misunderstand. There are people in it that are really bad, but the world itself, the created world, is very good. We need to understand the implications of God's good world. First, creation is not man's problem. Sin is man's problem. Wealth isn't sinful. Filet mignons are not sinful. Salmon is not sinful. What else did my wife make last night? Uh, Roast is not sinful. Green beans are not sinful, right? Sex isn't sinful. Alcohol isn't sinful. Man is sinful. Do you understand that? Now, here's a problem. If we think that sin inheres in creation, we'll never get to the root of sin. The root of man's sin is an evil heart, not the creation. We'll always be blaming something in creation. And there are people that do that, unbelievers and even some Christians that aren't taught well. That demon alcohol. Or a woman's beautiful body. Or tobacco. Or music. Or earthly possessions. But friends, they aren't the problem. Man's sin is the problem. Creation is never the problem. Human sinfulness is the problem. Now, God gave us the world to enjoy. It's a good world. It reveals God to us. It's the world that Jesus was born into. Jesus with a human body and a human brain and human emotions and human kidneys and a human pancreas and all of that. All of that creation is God's good gift to man. 
And man should glorify God in all of these things. The Bible says that. Glorify God in every single thing. Not just what you're feeling in your heart. Glorify God in all things. Jesus' advent in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago stands as an eternal testimony to the great fact that God's creation is a good creation. He came in a human body. And by the way, Jesus Christ will always be in a human body. It's in a glorified human body, but in a human body. He was resurrected in a human body. And we will all live one day on a resurrected earth. So creation is not the problem. We can rejoice today in God's good creation because of the advent. There's a second thing, and I'll be done. Being born of a woman reveals the sympathy our Lord has for us as his people. The great sympathy he has for us. We read in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 18, some of the most comforting words in the Bible. I just want to read these to you because they're so powerful. Listen to these words. Since therefore the children, he's talking about Christians, share in flesh and blood. Does that involve anybody here? Anybody here share in flesh and blood? Right? right. A couple of you. He himself likewise, speaking of Jesus, partook of the same things, that through death... He might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. You see why Jesus had to be born as a human? He had to die. That's what the writer is saying. For surely it's not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham, that is us. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. To make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Now let's think about that for a second. God created man so that the Father and Son and Spirit could share their glorious communion with us. According to John 17. God wanted more people to get on on the great fellowship that God shares. That's why God created man in the first place, to share this glorious communion. But when sin entered the world, God couldn't share that fellowship until he did two things. One, he had to redeem man to get him back into fellowship. And two, think of this, this is a little profound. He had to fellowship with man in a world that was still under sin's curse. Whoa. Fellowship with man in a world that was still under sin's curse. My friends, that's what Jesus does. He came into our sin-scarred world. He became part of it without sinning. He lived in the world that we live in, so he knows our grief, our loneliness, our weakness, our sickness. He knows what it feels like to suffer persecution. He knows what it feels like to suffer poverty. He knows about the pressures and the slander and the pain and weariness and getting word about cancer and being stuck in East Germany and walking around barefoot, and making your own shoes. He understands all of that. He suffered all these things so that God could commune with us as we are, not as we'll one day be in sinless eternity. Do you understand that point? Of course God could commune with us one day when sinlessness is a part of our lives. The glory of Jesus coming into the world is he can fellowship with us because of his work and his humanity. He can fellowship with us in a world that is still scarred by sin. Because of what he endured. We need help in the sinful world. We need big help. Have you figured that out yet? 
we can't make it through this world on our own. And we were never meant to. Jesus was made like us so he could come to our aid. And here I'll read briefly the second text in Hebrews from chapter 4. That is so wonderful. Listen now to Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God pleads with us to plead with Jesus when we're suffering from temptation and trials. I don't care if it's cancer or job loss or emotional weaknesses or financial pressures or unkindness by friends or or family hardships. Jesus knows by experience, not just abstractly at a distance. Jesus knows by experience what these hardships are like. And he sympathizes and he longs for us to ask him to come to our aid. He lived and died in our world just so he could aid us just when we need that aid. That's why he came, according to the writer of Hebrews. Oftentimes when our ladies are enduring hardships that are uh, peculiar to, to womanhood, like childbirth, Don and I will almost always ask a woman to pray for them. Why? Because women's prayers are stronger than men's? I think sometimes they are, but no, that's not the reason. We men can, can sympathize at a distance, but only another woman who's endured this hardship can really deeply empathize in prayer. Well, in a similar way, in a greater way, Jesus empathizes with our pain and our weakness and our tribulations. And he came into this world, born of woman, not just to die for our sins, but to be a merciful and faithful high priest. He has mercy on us. He knows that we're weak. He's here to be our advocate. He's here to help us. Don't you love that word mercy? He's here to be merciful to us. Therefore, how foolish we are not to take advantage of this one who came for that very purpose, to come to our aid in time of weakness. We're often like the diabetic that carries insulin but refuses to use it during a diabetic spike. Why aren't you using it? Well, I don't know how foolish that would be. Jesus longs for us to rely on him when we're failing and then we're weakening. Those are two brief significant implications of Jesus being born of a woman, the goodness of creation, and the wonderful empathy that he has with us. I'd like to ponder them today and this week, and I'd like us to act on them this Advent season. Let us pray. Nikki Emmert, Nicholas, will you pray that God helps us this Advent season and shows us these glorious truths in our hearts?